is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I sit down and chat with Pilar Adara, and we cover it all, from transitions in the entertainment industry to her self-talk to relationships and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Pilar Adara. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me in person... Pilar Adara. Hi, Clay. This is so great. You know, fun fact, you're the first in-person interview I've had since 2019. Oh my gosh, I'm honored. Well, COVID, but prior to that, I was on tour. Oh, that's right. So, yeah. So this is exciting. Okay, great. And it was so funny. We were talking about having you on the show here and just chatting about it. And I could have sworn you had been on before. But no, not the case. This is the first time. One of many more. Yes. I'm so excited. Let's, let's take it back to the beginning of time for Pilar Adara. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? So actually growing up, I did a lot of sports and I didn't see anyone that looked like me on screen or on stage. So although I loved the arts, I loved theater, I loved going to shows, I never thought I could do it. Mm. Um, I didn't think someone that looked like me belonged on stage. Um, so I just kind of watched from afar. I didn't really find theater. I started out in theater until college. Yeah. What was the, was there a defining moment? Yeah. Um, (laughs) let's hear it. (laughs) Oh yeah, there was. Um, so I was, I had a lot of anger. I was a very bad kid. I was, um, a totally different person before I found theater. Um, it sounds cheesy, but theater saved my life. Mm. Um, I had dropped out of school, college, um, four times. You know, I had a lot of stuff that happened in my childhood that made me angry. Um, and my mom, like, begged me. She was like, just go to the local community college. I've always thought you'd be an actor. Like, just take one class. Like, just just try one class. No pressure. Um you know, and I was like angry and mad at the world. And I was like, oh, this is dumb. I'm going to take this yeah. theater class. <laughs> um, and it changed my life. And I started waking up in the morning, like being excited about school. So going back, first class, you're in there. What was it? What was the, it what was, was that specific, if you remember it? Theater appreciation. Colin Rust, shout out to Colin Rust. He was my teacher um, at Georgia Perimeter College in Atlanta. And... He was very patient. He was very kind. Um, and I literally just, you know, uh, like transitioned into like a kind, really driven, ambitious person. I love that. So what was it like going, you know, moving forward there? It just, was there a particular, yeah, maybe was there a particular piece you worked on or text or role or something? Or is it for you the whole the whole thing of theater? You know, like I love I love being in a theater. Like mm-hmm. some people love a library, you know, that kind of thing. But other people, it's like, you know, particular roles or things, singing or anything in particular? No, I think it was just someone providing kindness. Mm. Um, someone believing in me. You know, in theater appreciation, you start out with like monologues the teacher picks out for you. And sure. Um, sometimes you have to sing a song for the class. Um, and I, I did. And my, my theater teacher was like super kind and 
welcoming and and you know we all bloom with love right mm. and I just was like oh I love this I don't want to let this go I like who I am when I do this yeah yeah was there a defining moment for you where you decided like this is something I'm gonna do for a living I'm gonna take this you know like from the hobby where it's helping me kind of clean up my act to no I'm gonna make money <laughs> I'm gonna make money this. um was there a specific moment I went um I went abroad for a, a musical theater program in Germany. Yeah. Um in college. I got I got a scholarship to go and I think that's when I was like, "Oh, it's time. Mm. Let's do this. Let's make art with kind souls and let's, you know, be political with our art and change the world." Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to make you go through your whole resume in order. So we're going to skip around to because there's so much fun stuff that you've done since we've met and prior to that. So what was the what was it? What was the looks after, you know, university after college? What was that path for you with, you know, getting a job performing? Um, I moved to Orlando after college and I just started performing in local theater. Why Um, Orlando? Why Orlando? Oh, one of my best friends at the time was in Hairspray uh-huh. and they needed a motor mouth swing slash a dynamite. Um, and my friend was like, hey, I'm in this show. They need more people. It was like in the middle of nowhere, Florida. Okay. <laughs> and they were like, you want to come out? I was like, sure. sure. I just graduated. I'm not doing anything this summer. Like, let's go. Right. Um, had never been in a musical. So I was like, okay, let's do it. And then I just kind of stayed. Yeah. Was the transition quick to uh, Disney there? Oh, no. (laughs) I was actually, I worked um, in attractions at Space Mountain before. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know that? No. Those were dark times. (laughs) I just remember the performing, you know, with, with Juan. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Well, because we, we met, so anyone listening, you know, this this conversation is very special because we're actually close friends. We see each other regularly because some of the people I have on, it's like I'm, you know, friends with or friendly with or I don't know them personally at all. And uh, we had met through Juan Cantu, who has worked for the company. And we were, we met doing some other auditions here in the city for one of his companies, a, another cru- a cruise line that he was working for at the time there. And, you know, so that's how we met. But so anyway, Juan Disney performing Space Mountain. Space Mountain. Let me tell you, it was it was a journey. Yeah. I have some amazing friends from Space Mountain, but um <laughs> <laughs> So what was were you auditioning to perform there or was it just all like what was that transition there from attractions to or the balance between the two? I I was auditioning a lot and then um it wasn't until I quit the company that then I auditioned again and they were like, Hey, we have this great role for you. Um, and then I started my Disney journey and then, um, I had a friend of a mutual friend who performed in New York, came down, we all went to dinner and he was like, you have your card. Just, just go, just leap. You'll learn. Um, leap and Annette shall appear. And I was like, I'm not ready for New York. I'm going to move. <laughs> Why now, not? <laughs> and we met prior to you moving? Or no, you had just moved here. I had just moved here because we met okay. at the auditions. Yeah. Okay. Because so we yeah. all went out to dinner. Yeah. And that was that was still... Because the, the part I'm getting to here is the, the transition between theater to film and television. So when we had met, it was still theater. It was from my completely understanding, theater, yes. In New York. 
Yeah. And what was that decision to transition? To film? Yeah. Want me to be honest, super honest? I want to hear full honesty. Hear it all. Explicit. Yes. (laughs) Um, So New York is a really great place for people that don't fit a commercialized look. So in Orlando, I, I had a hard time like getting jobs. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was working, but it wasn't until I moved to New York, I started going in more for TV and film, mostly sure. TV and film. Sure. Um, and so I was like, oh, okay, well, I didn't know that someone like me can be on the screen. So I started auditioning here and there. And um, then I was auditioning for things after about two years of auditioning, um, it wasn't, it wasn't very, like, it wasn't stories I wanted to tell. So sure. it was, um, like sad refugees supporting like a white narrative. Yeah. Um, so like the white lead needs to come save me. I'm just like some poor immigrant help me. Um, yeah. which was disgusting. Uh, cause you know, let's, let's tell different stories. And then I was yeah. like terrorist wife, number one, number two, um, And so it was kind of this thing where I was like, oh, this is my way in and I don't want to do this anymore. Um, So I started writing Mm. and that's kind of how I found my love for TV and film when I um, was able to like create my own stories. I mean, from the outside, meaning my perspective, it seems like it was a perfect decision because what it would appear on paper is that, you know, the second you had made a decision, oh, I'm going to do, you know, TV film like Orange is the New Black came up. Yeah, yeah. Like quickly. Yeah. Um not super quickly. <laughs> okay. Um yeah, I had been in for them for a couple times and then um I actually got uh I actually signed up just to do an extra mm. role cuz I'd never been on set. Um and then it was when I was on set. It's it's really just being nice to someone. I was nice to the makeup artist and the makeup artist was like, "Hey, someone didn't show up." you want to step in the chair and we'll hook you up with this, this role. Um, was that a day of moment of thing? Yeah, it was. And, and they, their call was early in the day. So their call was like, we were there at like 5am. So I was like blurry eyed and you know, not ready, not ready, <laughs> <laughs> not ready at all. So what was that? She was, you were just chatting with her and she was, no, you know, no. Um, his name was champagne. His name was champagne. Um, he was the makeup artist for the extras and one of the um, girls in the crew hadn't shown up. Um, I don't know what had happened, but they were mm. missing a girl that needed to move into like, you know, s- someone's crew, right? Someone's sure. crew in jail. Um, and then he was like, hey, you asked me how my day was. Get in the chair. Um, and I was like, okay. So then I was this like, uh, became this like druggie in jail. And then I went back for a couple of scenes, but you know. All my scenes were cut in the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was still the opportunity to do it, which is so interesting because you're, and I want to talk about, so we're going to get to this permission thing Oof. because I think your, I think your life journey, you know, from what I've seen is very different and I love it. Uh, especially because of the tenacity, the permission, the decision making, the, I'm not going to you know, just kind of let what the is happening in the world determine what I'm, I'm going to take my own, you know, life into my own hands, which, you know, is like, Ooh, fantastic. I can repeat that three times a day, but to do it daily is different. So what has been this permission 
giving yourself permission, opening your mind to taking more <laughs> unorthodox approaches to thinking and doing and being. Yeah. Um, I recently just found that I would say in the last two years, mm. um, I think my career was super stifled because I was trying to fit into a box of what I thought other people wanted. Mm. And it wasn't until I got like really fed up with the roles that were being written, which were those like really racist, toxic roles that I was like, you know, like, fuck it. I'm going to do my own thing. Let's let's do this. I've been in the industry. I've been working around my dream so much that I know what to do. Mm. So let me just like put a pen to paper mm-hmm. and kind of follow the people that I look up to that really started developing their own stories. Mm. Yeah. And then was that, did the writing coincide with that or would, you know, the decision to kind of take your life into your own hands, so to speak? Oh, or definitely. Was that, it was together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because okay. I was like, let me write the role that I want to play. Yeah. And I love it because I'm totally going to speak in code because we're not <laughs> going to talk about exactly what's being written and produced and created. But uh, I think I I think the phrase, you write what you know. Oh, <laughs> yes. Carries a lot of weight and creates for a very real <laughs> experience on the screen. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you'd say so. Um Okay, so asking, if we can talk about that for a little bit. How have you gotten better at asking um, for things, asking questions? Um, Asking is complicated because I think I exhaust research before I ask for the question. Um, It's something I'm still trying to work on Mm. Um, because people, uh, my mom always says, closed mouths don't get fed. Um, which is so true. So I need to ask more, but I'm, I'm so used to like being in this survival hustle grind mode that I'm like, I'll figure it out. I'll do it myself. Um, so it's, it's still something I struggle with. Yeah. Have you found any, is there like a, hmm, like a thought process or a way you consider something that helps you, you know, put yourself out there more when asking a question? Um, I try to be really respectful of people's time and, and making sure people don't feel used. So the way I feel more comfortable asking questions is like buying someone a coffee or, you know, kind of like the barter system, like, Hey, what do you need help with? I can help you with this. I, Mm. I never want to, um, cause I have a lot of friends who, who, um, have really successful careers in the industry and I, I never want them to feel exhausted by me or, that, that I can't pull my own weight. Mm. Um, so if I, you know, I'm like, hey, do you mind sitting down and having a coffee with me? I've already researched all the questions I want to ask you. Um, like, would this be okay? And how is the track record on that? Good. It is, <laughs> Good. isn't it? Well, it's yeah. amazing because that's the, I, I have a thorough belief that if you change your questions, you change your life. Ask a better question, you get a better answer. And, the, yeah. you know, life punishes the vague wish and rewards the specific ask. I yeah. mean, there's so many of these things, but to do it is a whole other. And the what you had mentioned, I would call, I mean, the way I hear it is like adding value to someone else's life, you know, because you don't want to just take value from someone you want to be able to give it. How have you found adding value to someone's life when you can't offer what <laughs> that other person might be able to add to you? Um. I think 
in the situations I've been really lucky because I have been able to give back. Um, I, I do a lot of like volunteer work and activism in the city. So someone's like, Hey, maybe, you know, this charity where I'm, you know, trying to get in at this board, or I would love to get more involved with mutual aid. Um, you know, cause some people work all the time, so they have no idea what's like actually happening in the city, what people are protesting for. Um, and I'm like, I can help you. (laughs) I know someone (laughs) that can let you give back. And like, I have those relationships and and that trust with those people that they would like you to show up and help, um, Mm. with their event or something. So yeah, just kind of, even though like maybe financially I might not be able to bring what certain people bring, um, I know my heart is in the right place. Uh, and I, I know I can, support my friends emotionally and Mm. maybe hold space for them. And maybe that, that is equal to like what I'm asking for that day. Thank you for sharing that because I think that's something, I know it's something I've struggled with and I know other people do and it holds you back from asking. And there's so much value in just, I see you, I hear you, or I have this information you might not have. It doesn't have to be monetary. It doesn't have to be power. It doesn't have to be any of those other things. It can just be these, you know, what some would say simple things, but they're not. They're extremely valuable. They're, I think they're the most valuable. Yeah. Because money doesn't make a person. I mean, oh, no. Of course not. Oh, no, we, we know so many rich <laughs> no. people that are so unhappy. You yeah. know, like it, it all comes back down to the bare minimum love and that those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for expanding on that because I think it's. It's just really important to hear that during um, now. Okay. So with activism and, you know, protesting mm-hmm. and really being a wealth of knowledge on Thank what you. is you are. No, you <laughs> I'm are still learning. There's, still and learning. that's what I, that's what I love about like you have friends in your life, right? That you feel personally can help you, you know, just even like on a personal level of personal growth and vice versa. You hope you can give that, you know, and I always hope that I can give that to you or whoever else I'm friends with. Right. But I feel that from you. I'm educated in ways that I just, you know, haven't been before. And I love that. Has that always been a thing? Or is it like, has the seeking the knowledge, moving the needle, staying abreast, being aware, being a voice, has that always been inside of you? Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. That was really kind to say. Well, hey, you <laughs> know, like, come oh, on. thank you. Compliment where compliments do. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, yeah, it has. Um, my mom, I actually grew up going to like equal rights rallies. My mom was a big protester in the 60s. She marched with Dr. King. Um, so I also grew up in Georgia. So I was a person of color in Georgia, adopted by a white family. Um, so conversations about race and um the way my brother who is biological white man Mm -hmm. cis white man um how we would go through life differently those conversations started very early um what parts of georgia i could go to by with my friends by myself and which parts of georgia i could not go to Mm -hmm. um which is scary to hear when you're young but my mom was very aware of how her brown child was going to move through the world. Hmm. God, I feel like there's, that's a whole separate episode we could have. We could. (laughs) I feel like, yeah, but that, you know, hmm, I wonder, 
Yeah, no, we're gonna we'll come back to it. We're gonna come back to it. I want to talk about um, relationships, professional relationships yeah. in the industry, thoughts, views, etc. What comes to mind? I don't care who someone is. If you are not pure of heart, and I get a bad vibe. I'm not fucking with it. <laughs> like that's some honesty. Next question. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is though. And that's like a that's a gut thing, right? You can mm-hmm. catch that in you can sometimes catch that before hello. Yeah. And I think with us in this business of like actor scarcity, there's so many times where we enter into toxic situations and we're like, oh, ignore the gut feeling. Oh, ignore the red flags. It's fine. Mm. I want to be this person and this person's going to help me get there. And there's so many situations I want to go back to myself and I'm like, you should have told that person to fuck off. Like you should have told that person, this is not how I work. I will not be disrespected. I don't want to see someone else be disrespected. Mm. This is... This is not positive for me emotionally. It doesn't matter what I'm being paid. Um, so th- those are the kind of lessons I wish I had learned when I was younger or mm. at least paid attention to is it doesn't matter who someone is, what they have. Um, if they are not pure of heart, if even if they treat you kindly, if you see them treating someone else kind, like someone else unkind, it's not worth it. Mm. There is no job in the world worth disrespecting yourself or letting someone else be disrespected. That comes from a, I think a really deep place of self love. Like you have to know your worth and who you are in order to say, you know, fuck off. (laughs) Literally. Yeah. (laughs) To someone who you're like, Oh my God, but they could, but this could, but it could potentially possibly, you know, that takes a lot of, yeah. And has that been something that has increased for you in the last, well, since, let's say since New York, because now we've been friends, goodness, four years, three or <gasps> four, four years, years now. Oh, I love that. Isn't it great? <laughs> yeah. How time flies. I know. Um, has that been something that you've cultivated here in the city? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like, and and it's not just like this, fuck off, I know things. It's right. like this, fuck off because you're toxic, has literally just this this attitude when I started to like take up space and know who I am know what I brought to the table know what my friends bring to the table um it brought a lot of wonderful people into my life Mm. because I lost that like oh my god thirsty actor please like me and people were like oh this this bitch has other things going on she's not really worried about this like cool Mm. let's talk who are you? Let's see if we can work together as people. Because it's it's New York. There's so many talent, pe- talented people in this city. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like everyone's so many amazing. So kind people, so many talented unkind people. <laughs> exactly. And it's just, I mean, once you get in New York, it's just kind of like picking and choosing who you want to work with. Mm. And and who is, is better for the art and empowers like relationships where you empower each other Mm. um and i think i got really lucky when i took off my own mask and my own shield and just was like hey this is who i am any anyone want to bite you Mm. know like (laughs) anyone want to play the game (laughs) right now is do you journal i don't know do you like have text you refer to daily or meditate or phrases or any of that i don't i'm just curious because when a transition like this happens in one's life it's can be sudden, but it takes time. 
And I love, you know, we're in a recorded space here to bottle up that transition that you had to from scarcity to, oh, I'm the richest person in the world. Abundance. <laughs> yeah, abundance. <laughs> yeah. What was that transition? Um, was it overnight? I won't say it was overnight because I've I've been grinding for what feels like 50 years. (laughs) Okay, you know. I do. Um, I really do, yeah. I think COVID happened and it really made the world, it it really made people that were out of touch kind of slow down Mm. and kind of pay attention. Um, Everybody in this room is, you know, a cis white man, How do we diversify and how do we bring people into this room that are talented but are overlooked? Um, People don't know what I look like. But, um, you know, being a plus-size woman of color, you know, unless you fit a certain stereotype, there aren't a lot of jobs for you unless you create them. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Mm -hmm. yeah, um, people had to slow down and, and that's when someone like me, who's an introvert, um, really gets to kind of shine and, and actually, you know, get away from the bullshit of like a networking party, you know, like just be like, Hey, let's focus on the art. This is what I want to bring to the table. And I was lucky enough to have people listen. Um, and you, and I'm obviously still on my journey, but yeah, just kind of taking up space. That's when my life changed. Yeah. And when you, when you say that, that, that means the way you show up to an event, the way you think the way, and not an event, an event like, you know, filming or production or, you know, party or just in life show up. Yeah. I mean, I think it was kind of realizing the people I looked up to moved with so much humility and there's so much strength in being humble and the people that. I, I follow and, and want to model my career after are kind and humble because they know what they bring to the table. So it was mm-hmm. that, yeah, lost of that, you know, losing that thirsty actor that, that will let anyone talk to me the way they prefer. Mm-hmm. You're a director, you lose your temper, it's tech week, but, but there are certain things you can't go back from. <laughs> can't take certain things back exactly and like you know realizing there's there's anger passes and then there's times where you know it's time to say something pilar you're a grown woman you studied this craft you you know you should not be disrespected hmm. i love that i love that because i think so many of us and when i say us i mean people you know early in their career young yeah ones, yeah um there's almost more putting down of yourself that you'll do to yourself than you'll actually receive from other people. Of course, you'll receive it from other people. But the way we talk to ourselves sometimes can be eons worth worse than the way we let someone talk to us, right? And that's a crazy thing. The second someone crosses that threshold, that's when they're out. But that's why you'll see some people in such deplorable relationships because the way they talk to themselves is so bad that they're going to literally let someone else, you know, and, and not all of us, but some of us have been there and it's so powerful to change the self-talk, you know, and you don't have to, and like you said, right. You don't journal, you don't repeat, you know, a mantra. There's nothing. It's, it's a way of being. And the second you change the way you are, it, it literally just, it's like gravity. 
other people just come into your life. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you. I love that. I love that we uh, that we that we went like you know. Usually I'm like 500 meters down. We're like 2,000 <laughs> meters below the surface. <laughs> so thank you for jumping quick with of me. Of course, the net will appear eventually. <laughs> Maybe by 3,000. Achievement <laughs> versus fulfillment. Ooh. How do you balance the two, or how do you view them? What does anything come to mind? Achievement versus fulfillment. I definitely would say. It's kind of all encompassing when I talk about the last few years finding myself, um, taking jobs where I care about the story, taking jobs where um, I'm fulfilled, mm. you know, as, as opposed to like chasing this goal, you know, like, oh, I'm not on Broadway yet. Oh, mm. I'm not this. I'm not that. Mm. Focusing on what I don't have mm-hmm. was so debilitating that I was like, hey, you got into this to be an artist. Like, you went to community college, you know, to take a theater class. Mm. What happened to that person that loved art? Where is she? Because the only way you're showing up in rooms is I don't, I don't have, I need, I don't have. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's pretty disgusting. That's not who I want to be. Um, so, so really focusing on uh, the art I want to create. And, you know, you'll take these jobs here and there because you gotta, you got to pay the bills. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I did a lot of Zoom theater um, with stories that I, I, you know, didn't motivate my heart. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then I started creating with friends. You know, then I started writing things. I, I had the pleasure because financially it was coming in that I had the privilege, not pleasure, the privilege to then, like, start creating my own things. Mm. Um, there's lessons in all of it. And, and trying to take all the negative things and, and learn from it. That's so important. And, and that comes with age, for sure. <laughs> Seasoned. Right. Now, Seasoned. There, um, yeah, I know, because it's so funny. It's like everything that happens, there's a lesson. But, you know, I'm, I might not catch every single lesson. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, right. I know there's a lesson in here somewhere, but I'm just But not it's hard. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like today I don't want to learn anything new. <laughs> right. And there's always something. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.